legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hi guys, it's Carolina Hidalgo from Last Podcast Network. I co-host a weekly podcast called Movie Sign with the Mads with Frank Conniff and Trace Bellew, the original mad scientist from the hit cult TV show, Mystery Science Theater 3000. That's right, TV's Frank and Dr. Clayton Forrester, along with myself, spend each week discussing and thoroughly dissecting a movie we've recently seen. The premise of our show is very complicated. I hope you can pay attention. We come in once a week and talk about a movie. Okay, I hope you could keep up with that. Past episodes included classics like Taxi Driver, The Godfather, and Sunset Boulevard to our live show recordings of The Shining, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, to newer releases like The Shape of Water, Hereditary, Get Out, and Mandy. Some we like, some we don't. We agree, we disagree. But in the end, it's all about movies and you, the viewer, and your suggestions. The viewer, no, it doesn't come through that way. It's on the radio. It's on a podcast. A podcast, and it's free. There's no real continuity between the episodes, so click on the movie episode you'd like to hear about. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you can find podcasts, or just look for us on lastpodcastnetwork.com under shows. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the show. Give me lots of money. I want it. I want billions. I will kill you to take it. I want it for me. Oh, no. Oh, I have it. Ha, ha. Yes, I have an island of jewels. Oh, gold. I have golden teeth and a golden asshole. Get at me. You get at me and you could do nothing to me because I've got a golden asshole. Oh, the government? No. Oh, no. They're coming up. i got to get my gold gun and defend myself. It won't matter. We have golden drones. Oh, shit. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm afraid that uh, all of your uh, your golden asshole, uh, you're afraid to, you, you cannot write it off. Uh, it is a luxury. It is not a uh, It is not a necessity. And you will have to pay taxes on that and your island and everything else. You owe us an exuberant amount of money <gasps> to jail with you. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's got to be a way out. There is a way out. There's always a way out. And you can figure it out, even if it is getting out of jail and fixing your life. That's what today's episode about. This is The Brighter Side. I'm Ed Larson. That was Amber Nelson, as always. And we are here to talk to you about second chances. Yeah, specifically with money, because money's a fucker. I mean, it's nice to get. Mm -hmm. But to like hold it and keep it and protect it like a little baby, that's difficult. Absolutely. And later on, we're going to be talking to some good buddies, uh, Tom Conrad and Dave Weishouse over at the Box Elder Consulting Firm. Uh, it, they will tell they will tell us about what's going on with classism in this country, what's going on with the new uh, with new rules of taxes under our new president and whatnot. But first, I want to Amber, why do you think people need a second chance? Why? Because we don't all get it right on the first time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't get shit right on the first time. I usually don't get shit right on the third time, to be Never. honest with you. I think everyone deserves a second chance. Everyone does. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, like, rapists and murderers throw them away. No, you, no, know, no. Like, you know, but at the same time, you know, sometimes there is every story is different. And I think that people 
once if they're not given a second chance and they're treated like an animal, they're going to start acting like an animal. Absolutely. And I think that you uh, people deserve second chances. I live by it. I've been to jail myself and I've gotten out and I'm a normal human being now. It's like it is that just because something bad happens to you, it should not ruin your life. Never. And just because you make a mistake, because we all have been stupid. It's just we haven't all been caught. Yeah. You know, sometimes you commit crimes without even knowing you're committing a crime. Whoops. Yeah, you that person deserves a second chance. And that's what and that's what I think partially what this whole country was built on. You know, it's people who ran away from England and looking for another chance. And, you know, they were just, you know, annoying dickheads just screaming about religious freedom. Mm. (laughs) I tell you what, I gave a second chance. I ate at Waffle House and I got food poisoning so bad that I was shaking because food poisoning, you feel like you're going to die. You know, Mm -hmm. just shaking and sweating and vomiting and shitting at the same time. I went back to that Waffle House three days later and I ate it again. How was it? Delicious. Yeah, exactly. It's Waffle House. You're going to get sick every once in a while. You know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. All right. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. This is The Brighter Side. Now, let's talk to some professionals who don't eat at Waffle House quite as much as we do, but Lord knows they still have given it a shot and given it a second chance. They're smart. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, how you guys doing? Joining us today to talk about classism and second chances are our good buddies over at the Box Elder Consulting Firm. Man, I love these guys. They are wonderful. It is Dave Weishaus and Thomas Conrad. How you guys doing? Hey, doing good, Eddie. Thanks for having us. Doing great, Eddie. Thank you. Now, if you recognize that first voice... You will know that this is the official unveiling of da 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 da. Put some mustard on it, you bastards! Mr. Pastrami is Dave Weishaus of Box Elder <laughs> Consulting. Oh my God! Yeah. Ah, yeah. No, finally, we get to do, finally we get to tell everyone who you are, and you know why we get to tell everyone who you are today? Because of second fucking chances. That's right. If you remember Dave's story, we'll go into it a little bit and uh, why they why they formed who they are. But a little bit about them, uh, from my own knowledge, is uh, over at uh, Box Elder Accounting. They are an accounting firm. Uh, they'll do your taxes. They'll take care of your business. They treat me like a goddamn angel for no reason and they are just wonderful human beings but they are here to help people who maybe other people wouldn't take under their wing is that uh is that correct yeah you know we'll we take all kinds of box elder tax and consulting um tom and i we had our own personal experiences and that was all through the pastrami era. And I'm happy to talk about a little bit of that and getting through it. And then I don't know if it was by accident or the universe or it just was, you know, this was what was happening at the time, but there was an opportunity to start helping people get their finances back in line. And Tom and I went to law school and Tom worked as a tax attorney for, you know, almost 10 years now. And, he said, you know, Dave, if we get through everything, and we'll rehash all that later, but if we get through everything, let's work together and let's, you know, pay it forward a little bit. And uh, that's exactly what's happening. That's fantastic. Now, as a financial consultant, I have a question. So I one time had an extra $100 in my pocket, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Jumbo's Clown Room. It's a strip club. <laughs> but here's what I didn't do. I did not go to the ATM at the strip club. I walked 10 minutes to a chase. So I didn't have to pay the fee and then walk back. Hell yeah. Because yeah. not only are you getting that $10 strip club fee, you're getting another $5 from Chase. Hell yeah. That's solid advice from Amber Nelson. That's very, very prudent, Amber. Very prudent. <laughs> yeah, that's how you... <laughs> Women were beautiful. Fox Elder signs off on that decision. <laughs> <laughs> now, how strip close club ATM fees are not deductible on your taxes. <laughs> um, so... Uh, let's get into it. I want to start talking about uh, classism a little bit. And I think uh, that it is, uh, it's a little confusing uh, what classism is. And classism is, uh, uh, the definition is uh, a bias or discriminatory attitude based on distinctions made between social or economic classes. Now, classism does not see color. 
Uh, there is uh, if you are a Bernie Sanders fan, you will hear about him talk about the one percent uh, till his throat is sore and he needs twenty lozenges. Uh, what that what that is is the one percent controls pretty much the rest of us, and we are in a society and where the where the rich get rich off of making the poor poor, and this isn't anything new. This has been going on since. Egypt, you know, Cleopatra times before that, you know, this is just how we've always lived off of each other, uh, a hierarchy of uh, society. We are doing better now, though, mm-hmm. as far as the poor people. Yeah. I mean, people are fucking poor and like some of America does look like a third world country. But I mean, you know, in the 1920s, people were like selling their children. Well, the money. 20s were fine. The 40s were awful. Oh, the 40s. The roaring 20s. And right, the, the, the depression. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Great Depression. But uh, so, but anyway, I wanted to just get some like basic. You guys see, see, see the numbers of all this kind of stuff when you with the with your uh, with your customers, with other people you know, and just you know having to learn about you know how to run your business. Uh, what can what can you say from uh, an accountant's point of view? Are certain ways that uh. Uh, there, there is a classism in this country. Well, wh- whenever uh, this subject comes up, I'm, I'm always reminded of the, the John Steinbeck quote that socialism would have taken root in America, uh, except most people think they're just the poor think they're temporarily displaced millionaires. Um, yes. And yeah. and you you know you see that here um, a lot. You know, even amongst that attitude, I think prevails. Uh, amongst people that are getting the 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 short end of the stick, you know that there were literally, you know, they're the ones getting the raw deal and screwed over, and and they'll sit there and parrot the line of, well, I just need to work harder, you know, and if I'd made a couple other different decisions, I'd I'd be in a different position. When, you know, the the reality, of course, is that you know, social and upward mobility is, is, is really limited. And it, it, it's almost like kind of luck, right? When, when it happens to somebody really more than, you know, gumption or hard work or that, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, mentality, I think is a, is a bit of a, a falsehood that, you know, I, I think that education is the key to get out of that, yeah. you know, from yes. what we see. Um, I, I, I think like, you know, I could tell you from my own background, my, my parents were both professors, you know, and, and that was, you know, beaten into us nonstop, you know, was education, education, education. Um, and I think if you can combine that with some hard work and a, and a little bit of luck at your side, you can you can move up. But, um, you know, we see people struggling a, a lot with, with debt. You know, and, and debt does funny things to their heads. Um, and it puts them under tremendous pressure and tremendous stress. Um, uh, we see a lot of substance use disorders. Um, people that, you know, for one reason or other, that either the debt caused it or that was a, a symptom of it, you know, come to us with, um, all kinds of really, really tough problems. So, so we see it here a lot. We don't get clients that are, you know, incredibly wealthy and have access to resources because those people either don't get into trouble in the first place because they have someone to bail them out, um, or they have the means to put a structure in place where where there's a safety net where they don't have to worry about stuff like this. Yeah, and wealthy people often tend to form communities, and why I think uh, the wealth disparity is the most um, difficult to break through because rich people they're not going to be friends with poor people. They're oh. just only mingling with other rich people. So Absolutely, can, that yeah. is that is uh, completely true. And I wanted to go back to where you were talking about education because education should be the great equalizer and you are tom you are extremely fortunate to come from uh, two professors but uh, i mean let's face it i mean right now in los angeles we're watching a teacher strike happen yeah and uh from, yeah. in the public schools and there are teachers walking the streets ringing bells and the only four days it's rained in los angeles all in the past year and a half it's been raining during this teacher strike god hates teachers <laughs> and uh so and we see that and we look at the, and then you look at the public schools in beverly hills there's no teacher strike because they have everything they need. Yeah. And so you want to think, why are the public schools in richer neighborhoods getting these kind of uh, getting these kind of breaks rather than the poor neighborhoods? Well, a lot of the times, a public school in a richer neighborhood will have better donors. Uh, now, and, and they'll get and they'll get luckier because they'll have donors because local donors are people who have more money. 
I personally grew up at Boca Raton, Florida, and I went to public school. And so my school had a shit ton of donors. We went to a great school. We were well taken care of. New football jerseys every year. All that shit. Hot lunches? You hot, got, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had hot lunches. Yeah, don't worry about that shit. Oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> Eddie's spaghetti. But you go two towns <laughs> over, and it's not the same thing. And, you know, you got people, you got uh, struggling, you got uh, teachers who don't want to be there, teachers that are just fighting to get out of there. Yeah. And then you'll see. And so it's hard for, to even get the students good grades because the students themselves. They don't want to be there. They're I, not, they don't want to be there and they're not parented the no. same way as, as others. I moved around a bunch and I went to a lot of like poor schools because my mom was like trying to get her teacher's license. So like I would just often go to like whatever shitty school you'd have to go to. Mm-hmm. So I remember one of them like there was buckets of uh, giant like buckets set out in the middle of the hallway because there was no ceiling and there was just this like wires with leaking and like the water was filling up over the buckets. I had to share a chair with a girl. We had to share books. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody you had got to lice. share a chair. I had to share a chair. Amber went to a, spe- a special place. She was, she's from nowhere, Louisiana. <laughs> 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 how, how, what were the logistics of that? Their uh, their playpen had alligators in it. It was. <laughs> Man. Well, that was in a. I think that was somewhere in Tennessee because I moved around oh, a bunch. Okay. Yeah, but even Louisiana, like I remember, like one time we got. Uh, I had like a piece of rat shit in my food, and I, you know, when you uh, eat something, that'll and you're happen. Like, That's it. I also found a tooth one time in my food. Really? Yes. Oh wow! So like this kind of shit. So happens. somebody was eating it before you. Somebody was. <laughs> You know, you find a piece of rat shit in your food and you're sharing a chair with some girl with lice. You think you're going to go off and be a millionaire? A lot of wealthy right. and wealth is uh, mental. You know, it's all a lot of mental. Like, mental, like I, I could never like even save $10 because I don't deserve it. So do you think that the, basically after our, you know, rant there at you guys for two seconds, um, <laughs> do you think that there is something to that? To keeping the poor less educated? Do you think that there that is something that happens in this country on purpose? I don't know. I don't know about the on purpose part. I do. The first part's definitely true. I don't know if anybody like sits around, strategizes, and intends to keep them down. It's. I'll say it's a convenient byproduct of the system. I'll say it's certainly convenient, right? Like, you know, my, you know, I was. It looks like it's on purpose. I think it's on purpose. I got a little like tidbit. So I was like driving through Louisiana one time. And like backwoods, backwoods. And I saw this sign that said, Po' Boys, Catfish Po' Boys, come and get it. And it's all misspelled. So I was like, boom, I got to go. It's going to be great. And I'm talking <laughs> to this this woman. And she's like frying the fish right there. You know, it's fresh. She's as big as a house. And she's talking and nobody's around. And she's like, people used to come by here. And they stopped coming by because they're doing fracking right down the road. And I was like... Wait, they're doing fracking? I was like, are you getting compensated for this? And she's like, what's compensated? And I was like, oh. the companies are coming in and you get the money because they're using your land. And she's like, somebody got to give me money. I need money. So I think a big part of like, and I was like, oh, is this fish from the fracked river? She's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I had to eat it so I didn't, um, so I wouldn't offend her. So but, you look like a snob. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, education is purposely being crashed because, you know, the big companies will come in and rob everything from you and mm. you don't know how to stand up for yourself because you don't even know what compensating is, you know? There is no question that a better education comes with money. I mean, there's a reason people send their kids to private school, you know, and not public school. It's a, you know, there's, there, there but also there's those other private schools that are just, you know, gateways. To I'm it. a product of private school. I swear by it. Yeah, you, I had, you I have had, it. I had good public schools, but I was in a unique setup there in, in Gainesville. You know, it was a, a college town filled, you know, this random little county in, in north central Florida that happened to be filled with, you know, all these people that were, you know, pretty bright and, and connected to the University of Florida. So it, it was a weird kind of a unique setup, right? I don't think all public schools were like that. Um, you know, the, the kids I went to school with were, you know, their parents worked at the university too, just like mine. So you kind of had a, a bit of a, a higher intellectual elite there, you know, that were all just happened to be going to public schools. But 
you know, I, I think there's some data too on like how poverty affects kids' brains. I know, I know that, Absolutely. you know, where they're looking into literally kind of how a poor person thinks versus how a rich person thinks. I think maybe Amber, Eddie, one of you guys touched on that a second ago. And there's, I know there's a lot of data on that. Yeah. I mean, if you're poor and you get $10, you're going to go want to spend this on food and lotto tickets and cigarettes immediately and booze, things that make you feel good because your life's so fucking hard. If you're rich and you get $10, you're like, well, I can invest this because yeah. I have 10 other dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a yeah, hundred of right. dollars. Um, so let's, instead of uh, sitting here and just yelling at about the uh, yellow till we're blue in the face about how the rich suck. Uh, <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me get some, something that you guys can really uh, talk on. And what is some advice that you guys would have for people with less money uh, as to like uh, at managing it and making sure that they can kind of stay on top and, and start and dealing with their with their inevitable debt like say someone has thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt how would they go about you know what would be some first steps they could take to really start helping themselves so eddie let me let me comment on that and just give you one of the things that makes me the most excited and i'll answer this in a sec was you know we have a lot of mexican americans coming in through colorado and denver right Mm -hmm. and my favorite clients in relation to classism discussion would be you know, I have Catholic, middle-class, Mexican-American families, laborers, construction, coming in with 1099 incomes of $150,000, and, and now look, they'll come in and they'll have made all this money, not had taxes taken out because they were booked as independent contractors, and then they'll have a $75,000 tax bill. Oh. So how about this for a classism discussion? How is, that's insane. That's It's more yeah. than half of their money. Yeah. So the taxes are exorbitant. They're not in the right structure. Nobody even told them or educated them about what taxes could be here in the United States. But in the same breath, this is an immigrant family that has a great family unit that is, you know, their children are now first generation. And they're making, you know, upper middle class incomes, but they don't really know who to talk to for professional advice or how to, you know, structure their business entity so they won't have a 40% tax bracket. And they can be an S corporation, for example, and have, you know, a 10 or a 15% tax bracket. And nobody ever told them, hey, this is part of just being um, an entrepreneur or a self-employed person in America, you know, go get an accountant or go seek legal advice. Um, so when this type of client comes in, the first thing I do is, you know, welcome them, talk to them, understand how they're making their money, and then give them just some of the insights. And maybe they knew that up front or maybe they didn't. Um, and sometimes they you know, they call me and it's too late and sometimes they call me um, and, and there's an opportunity to catch it before it becomes a problem. But when a client comes in with, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in debt, the one thing I always make sure I emphasize, whether you're a millionaire and you screwed it up and you owe hundreds of thousands of dollars or, you know, you were a barber uh, getting paid 1099, didn't realize you needed to have withholdings and... Yeah, you owe 2000 bucks, but 2000 bucks is an insurmountable amount of money to even come up with, uh, you know, over some period of time. And you isolate it. That's my message. You isolate it. It's something that we all get through. It's a money problem. It's not a life problem. Um, and I really make sure that everybody who comes in knows that there's hope, that there's a way to get through it that you could put this issue in a bubble and it's not your health. It's not something that we can't solve and there's always a way around it. So we come at them with hope, we come at them with the second chance um, and you find out how they got in the problem. You know, so some people will just diagnose an issue and treat the symptom. But what if you actually figured out what was causing that symptom? You know, were you just not having enough withholdings on your W-2, you know, and we'll, we'll switch that up. Um, again, were you not in the right entity structure and you were working through your, you know, uh, through your tax system wrong? 
and you should have had a payroll system and you should have had um, you know certain estimated tax payments and help you get onto that so if you teach somebody how to you know position themselves and and you know just restructure themselves whatever happened in the past is the past that's the second chance and the idea that you can get through it by just isolating it, identifying it, and working on it, you know, that's kind of the message. So, you know, just how did you owe the 30 grand to answer your question? That's the first thing I want to talk to you about. What happened? Was it a life event? Look, a lot of the times, Eddie, these people get sick. There's the death of a spouse, death of a child, lost my job. I had a heart attack. I mean, I hear the saddest, craziest stories. There's very few things now that when somebody comes in with a major hardship, like, you know, back debt, specifically tax, that I haven't heard before. So, you know, you always try to treat with some bedside manner and then understand that person. And then the number one thing is, how did it happen? Not in a judging way, but if we could learn from this and then correct it and go on a better path, yeah, then that's what we're going to focus on. That's great. I want to go see you for therapy. Do you find that uh, sometimes people come into you and uh, don't necessarily tell you the truth? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to let Tom answer that one. That's like his yeah. favorite question, Eddie. I, yeah, I, lo- I love that question. <laughs> I always say I wish they had taught uh, when your client lies to you in law school. It could have been, uh, been like an entire like semester class or maybe like an entire three-year class. But, you know, I, I think just to, to parrot a little bit what Dave said and, and, and touch on the education thing, also, in, in these cases, these guys are working really hard and, and are, are, you know, defying the odds and, and making some money. You, they're hiring people with the education, right? So you, yeah. you can kind of bring us on as, as the guys that are more sophisticated in this arena. Do, do I know how to hang drywall? No, but I, I know the tax code and I know the IRS. And so if we can combine, you know, our efforts together, I'm going to put you in a good position to succeed. So th- there is a way out. I don't want people to feel, you know, discouraged from that first part of the conversation and feel just like, well, I'm screwed and I have some debt and there's nothing I can do. There is a ton of ways um, we-, we can save you money if, if you have IRS debt and-, and-, and, you know, any other kind of private debt, too, we could advise you on as well. I say take a brick, go to the IRS, throw it through the window. Well, that is Amber <laughs> Nelson's opinion. Opinion, not box <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know where the IRS is. How do you go find them? Where's their address? One of, one of the best parts is when people come in and they're like, you know, I think I owe like three or four thousand dollars. And then you, you know, you run a compliance check, you get a power of attorney on file, you call up the IRS and you're like, hey, Mr. John Smith, he says he owes about three or four grand. And they're like, screw you, man. This guy owes. 50 grand and it's like it's like without fail people sometimes they do it on purpose sometimes they just don't want to admit it out loud sometimes even after you're in the trust tree they're still ashamed yeah and maybe that's you know and that's something to talk about and you just you try to go in there with as little judgment as possible and and a lot of the times tom and i share our personal hardships and maybe that makes you loosen up a little bit i was there right with you Owing hundreds of thousands of dollars, penalties, fines, civil judgments. I did it, you know, so, and I'll happily disclose that to you first. And I got through it. I compartmentalized it and I gave myself a second chance and just worked through it. That's great. Oh, what, yeah. what happens if somebody owes $100,000 and commits suicide? Does the debt just go into the air? It goes in, uh, if they have like, yeah. actual. Uh, well, it depends on if their estate has anything, you know. If, if they if they don't if they don't have anything if there's no home if there's no investment account or retirement account um, it, it essentially just disappears. Now that being said, I've also read articles in the New York Times like really shady debt collecting practices where they'll contact the family um, and say to them, oh well, hey, you know this person had this. You know, and in some cases it's not like around, it's not a hundred thousand, it's like more like four, five, six thousand. What, wouldn't you want to settle this for them and kind of allow them peace? You know, like really, really Whoa. shady manipulative shit. After they're dead. And, and this person, your family has no obligation to be clear to pay your debt. 
Now, if, again, if you have an estate and there's like the estate process and all that stuff, but if this person is destitute when they committed suicide, it, it, it goes in the air. Um, but there's some really, really unscrupulous people that'll try to make you think otherwise. Wow. And I'll go even one further for you, Amber. If uh, you didn't commit suicide and you had and you uh, unfortunately just died of natural causes suddenly, or you got hit by a bus or something, and your life insurance pays out to your family. Your family does not have to pay out of that life insurance money. The money can only come out of the estate of the person that had the money. Interesting. I learned that first yeah. when my mom passed away. These creditors were calling me all the time, trying to get me to fucking give them money, trying to get them to yeah. do stuff like that. And then, like, I would get calls from Egypt, people cursing me out and stuff. Like, oh they're like, like, literally just like people, there are predators out there who will confuse you, especially if you're elderly or just have problems in general, they will they will confuse you, they will put guilt trips on you, and they will try and get you to send them money in any way possible. How horrible people are. Take, taking advantage of you when you're not thinking straight, when you're grieving. I mean, I, I, I just hope there's a special ring of hell for those guys uh, at some point. They'll do crazy shit like make you go buy a bunch of Target gift cards and then read them the PIN numbers and stuff like that just because they know it's really hard to trace that, that way. That That's actually an IRS scam too. So one of the one of the side effects of having this IRS debt is that at a certain threshold, the IRS, usually around twenty five thousand dollars, will file a public tax lien against you. So your name and address is blown up to literally anybody that wants to go check the record, um, and it's it's a public document. So they can they can do it. It's one of the things that um, secures the debt against them. But an unfortunate side effect is that scammers. Uh, a lot of times from India, you read about these Indian call centers um, that call people, but some of them are even U.S.-based that that do exactly that. Like, hey, can you go get an iTunes gift card or a Visa gift card? You know, we're going to arrest you tomorrow. Um, and and it, it works. Like, it works. People get freaked out. They're like, oh, I owe this IRS thing. They're going to arrest me. I better, you know, go get this prepaid Visa. Uh, real, real shady practices. Ooh. Will the IRS ever call you? Um, in very, 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 very limited circumstances, you may get a call from a re what's called a revenue officer, and that's an assigned person to your case. Um, you will only have a revenue officer if you have a business that owes more than 25000 or if you're an individual that owes more than 250000 So in very limited circumstances, they'll call you. But, but Sorry, so yeah. I just got terrified. <laughs> but, 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 but even then, even then, that revenue officer will have sent you something in writing prior to that so that you can verify who they are. And in some cases, they do stop by your house or they do stop by your business and they will have a badge and they will have a, a number that you can verify that they're a real agent of the government. Wow. All I want to do is make enough money to go buy an island. I bring 10 women on that island and I get a bunch of guns and I get them facing out. <laughs> it's very John Travolta of you. <laughs> the, uh, so if, if, um, if it's, if it's in like, I don't know if it's in the, there shouldn't be a debtor's prison. I don't, I don't know what official document from you know, the 17, 1800s that's in, but there should not be a debtor's prison yet. Wesley Stipes went to jail. What's the deal with that? What does that mean? That means don't poke the bear. Yeah. <laughs> How come? Yeah, I mean, they they went away with it. I think for and it's been a while since my history classes, but they went away with it because it. I think it just simply didn't make sense, right? Like how how is this person supposed to pay you back if he's if he's rotting in jail, right? So at some point, a couple hundred years ago, they did away with it. But you know, you see some some things out there that certainly resemble you know, what, what it was, you know, during Dickens's, you know, Victorian England, where, you know, you, these people, these poor people in Missouri, for instance, during the, the, the Michael Brown thing, you heard stories about them um, in East St. Louis getting like a, a $25 fine that they couldn't pay at the time because they're on a fixed income and limited. And then all of a sudden it, it compounds and that 25 becomes 250 becomes 2,500. And then the next thing you know, there's a warrant out for their arrest and you're like, well, you know, I don't know that this is that much different than, than that concept of debtor's prison. Why can't someone like Wesley Snipes, I'm going to keep using him as an example, uh, could, why couldn't he just declare bankruptcy and nothing happened to him? Uh, from the IRS's perspective, 
They don't care about bankruptcy. They, they really don't. They yeah. wait. So bankruptcy eventually stops. So a bankruptcy is just like a big hold to all your creditors to say, okay, the guy's insolvent. He can't pay you all back at the same time. Everybody stop taking a bite out of him at once relax, you go before a judge, and then you kind of are forced to negotiate as a creditor to say, I will take less than what I'm originally owed. That's the whole bankruptcy concept. And then at the end of it, you emerge free and clear and you're in some kind of payment plan where you know you can now pay back everybody and continue to work, back to Tom's point, where they don't throw you in jail, they just beat you up pretty good and then send you back out there to go work and pay them off. Wesley Snipes, even if he declared bankruptcy from the IRS, uh, the liability of those tens of millions of dollars would still be there when he's done with bankruptcy. Bankruptcy in very limited circumstances uh, resolves IRS liabilities. Um, And there's like two or three times where it does. 90% of the time from our experience, I tell a client that's going through a bankruptcy, call me when you're done and your li- IRS liability will still be there and then I'll help you with that. Mm. There, the, base, the two things we found, and, and we don't really do bankruptcies, but the two things we found that stick around are IRS debt and uh, student, student, loans. Student, student loans. Yeah. And the other thing with Snipes though, Eddie, is it, that's important, is the, there's a really key distinction in pretty much any area of the law uh, between negligence and intentional acts. The, the issue with Snipes wasn't even necessarily the money. It, the fact that he was a celebrity and the fact that he was outspoken about having not to have to pay, right? So that was really the thing that got them on their radar. Yeah. And at these like people that claim like the IRS isn't legitimate and you know there's no statute that says I have to have a federal income tax and all, all this nonsense. By the way, the IRS publishes a 60-page document um, called uh, Myths, IRS Tax Myths. And they will actually engage these people and show them where it, you know, they get their power and say, you know, here's where it is in the Constitution. Here's where Congress enacted this, you know. So if any of these people bothered to, to read it, you would you would see that that's all fantasy. But the, the issue with Snipes, too, was just his willful violation of, of the law. He was a dick, Eddie. All right. I guess he should yeah. have bet on red. <laughs> he poked the bear. Passenger 57, always bet on black. Come on. Oh. Always right, bet right. on black. Yeah, no, he, he, he taunted them, man. Yeah. He said, you can't do this. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, really? We're the federal government. They, they love those cases. Like, <laughs> I kind of respect that. You know, what if I just went yeah. and bought a Porsche? Burned well, it. They, they, those are the cases they like to make. The tax division at Department of Justice like to make those cases like the, the situation. Right, like the Jersey Shore guy. Yeah. Same thing. Like they that gets Richard Hatch, right? The survivor winner, you know, because yeah. it gets headlines and a big part of their goal as prosecutors is deterrence. You know, and they're like, I'm gonna light this dude up, you know, because yeah. people know his name and they see he wait a minute, he won the million dollars, you know, what did he do with it? Right? He, you know, so he tried to be sketchy and, and that they love those cases. N- none of our clients go to jail, Eddie. We've had one client go to jail. And uh, how much did he owe, Tom? $25 million. $25 million. <laughs> this guy went to jail. <laughs> oh, man. He could have bought a country. Oh, man. Just go. Just yeah. run, As soon as you get out of IRS jail, just run away. That's my advice. We, get, that we do get that question a lot. It's important for, for anyone who's listening that, that does have some tax problems. We get the question a lot. Like, I'm super worried about you know, going to jail, like 99.9999% of these cases are, are solved with, you know, just some civil fines. No, um, they, it's no. really, really rare for them to do it. But, you know, again, when they do do it, they like to do it big again. So they get those kind of headlines and, and put that fear out there. Now, uh, I'm going to change avenues here a little, a little bit, if you guys don't mind. Uh, I wanted to know what you think about, I read, I read today, I don't know if you guys saw this, but, uh, about half of the IRS is going to be working uh, uh, without pay uh, starting next week. Oh, really? The government shutdown going Because of the there? shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, did you guys hear about this yet or no? Oh, my God. Ed, this is like every day we're watching how, you know, is this going to end? Because it's affecting a lot of our work. Uh, we have clients that are smack dab in the middle of audits. We have people that 
um, had appointments with revenue officers to finalize and settle case resolution. We had people that were uh, waiting to get payment plans that were very generous, resolved, um, and you know, posted for their accounts so they can actually qualify for a mortgage and need to resolve an actual outstanding debt, and none of that has happened. So while Trump has ordered that 60% of the IRS is supposed to go back to work without pay to process refunds, I don't know. I got a couple of employees, and if I don't pay those guys, they don't come to work. So you, know, <laughs> you guys tell me how you behave when, when that happens. So We're kind of holding our breath. Oh, I'm sorry, Amber, go ahead. Oh, no, is the next few weeks the time for me to, like, go buy a speedboat and crash it and be like, I didn't buy a speedboat, <laughs> fuck you, and burn the paperwork and no one uh, Yes, yes, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's throwing a huge wrench into the works, and you think about the minds of those IRS employees that are just kind of, you know, day-to-day -day working people. They're not politicians. They're not, you know, they're just there to do a job just like any other job, and then can you imagine like going into work processing someone else's $2,000 refund, you know, while you're sitting there not getting paid for it? I mean, the morale and, and I mean, and to Dave's point, whether they're even going to show up, we're, we're kind of holding our breath to see if that plan works. But that's supposed to start happening January 28th is when the e-file opens just for your listeners. Yeah, so they know that's that's the plan. So we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we could either get everything, our returns back early. We can get them back late. We don't know what the hell's going to happen with all this. Yeah, Eddie, that's actually the God's honest truth. Like, I'm on the inside. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen. Can you imagine when, I don't know, how many people in the labor force? 75 million people, 100 million people in yeah. the U.S. labor force <sighs> file their taxes on, like, January 29th yeah. on the e-file system. Yeah. And then nobody's there to process it right <laughs> I, I don't know man we've like never been here before well i was surprised to learn that there's only eighty thousand people working for the irs i would have thought that would have been a much bigger number they is, is that what the total number was i never saw i, I yeah. saw that uh, the bulk of the fifty thousand that they sent back the bulk of it was going to go to the fed uh to the, sorry to the irs and that they were at about 60% capacity. Is that, is that what they said, 80,000 that, that was what I read earlier, but who knows? Okay. I'm always I'm okay. wrong uh, okay. 10 yeah, times I, a day. That, that could actually sound about right, because I think there are about 800,000 total federal workers, so it would make sense that about 10% would be at the IRS. Whew. All right, and um, if uh, one, uh, uh, two quick things before we uh, let you guys go. Um, now that, uh, now that uh, our president's uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, what are some of the tax differences you we have seen since he's come into office? Uh, so Trump actually got this really big tax bill. It's the first tax bill um, that was substantial that passed through Congress and changed the way the tax code is written in like 35 years. Mm. Um, so with that, there's a bunch of big differences. And I think a lot of your listeners, this is the first year that we'll see how it really affected everybody. Um, the, the big, the big highlights of the change in the tax code, um, are the child tax credit was doubled. Um, so from 1000 to $2,000. Um, but the so really you get fantastic $2, thing if that, you have a child, basically. Yeah, two grand now. So every kid you pop out, Amber, going forward will yield you two K. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one of the other follow ups is they got rid of the the exemption, the standard exemption. And an exemption used to be four thousand and fifty dollars reduced from your total taxable income every year. So if you made $10,000 and you filed your return, one exemption would be $10,000 minus $4,050, and you would pay tax on $5,950, if that math is correct, after oh. drinking some wine. Oh, okay. So with that, um, the standard exemption is gone. So no longer every person in your household with a social security number would count as, a, as as an exemption, right? So if there was a mother, a father, and two kids, that would yield $16,200. No longer do you get that reduction in your income. 
But what you do get is a doubling of the standard deduction. So I know this is a little bit opaque, but the standard deduction used to be $6,300 per individual and $12,600 per joint filers. They doubled it. So, Eddie, for you this year, as a single guy, congratulations, by the way. I don't know if you told all your listeners recently engaged. Yes, yes. As, uh, but as for you, you as well. Yeah, but for you, Eddie, you would go from $6,300 reduced from your taxable income up to $12,600 off. why are single people punished? I mean, it's just how it is. Jeez. That's just the way it is, man. You got to hitch up in this country. (laughs) Oh, man. But we're not technically married yet. So just, just because we're engaged, that doesn't mean shit as far as the IRS is concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Engage doesn't matter. And then the last thing I'll leave you with, not to bore everybody with a bunch of tax code, but one of the other cool things that did happen was for small business owners, there was a 20% reduction in qualified business income. And that was probably the biggest thing that we've seen company-wide. So a lot of our self-employed people, a lot of our entrepreneurs, whether you realize it or not, um, if you have a pass-through entity, so whether that means if you are a partnership an S corporation or just self-employed, right? And you just, you, you drove for Uber. Literally, if you drove for Uber, you will receive 20% less in your qualified business income. And, and so let's say you made $10,000 for Uber. You'll only pay tax on $8,000. You'll, you'll have a reduction of 20% in that money. Now look, there's a bunch of limitations and caveats and you had to have a W-2, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, that was probably the biggest thing for small business owners. But the God's honest truth, Eddie, is we have no idea what the actual effects will be. So some people are getting burned by the tax change. Some people are, are, are hoping to get a benefit. Uh, the corporate tax rate, if you have a C corporation, which is like if you're Coca-Cola or Amazon, these guys got a tax break out the wazoo. They went from, you know, high 30s at a flat tax down to a flat 21%. Oh. So if you were a corporation in America, you got really hooked up. Damn, that's a shit ton of money. That's oh, yeah, so it's much. like a half off on your tax bill. Mm. Friggin' Bezos, $170 million over here. Wow. 130. Who gives a shit once you get past 2 billion? Well, All right. The guys. <laughs> I was getting mad for no reason. Um I, I I love you guys. Thank you so much for stopping by the brighter side. Um this is the brighter side though and we're going we're talking about uh second chances. We're talking about taxes. So if you guys could give us a quick uh brighter side on those two subjects and then we'll uh then we'll say goodbye to you and uh but uh go ahead and get it what's the brighter side of uh of second chances the brighter side of second chances is is when our when our clients are ready when they are they have decided to to move forward with their lives again to kind of get rid of that fear of that crippling anxiety of that debt um, we have seen some incredibly awesome, heartwarming stories, some like get you out of bed in the morning stuff and, and make you smile when you look in the mirror stories. Um, a particular gentleman, his name is Don, and he owns a, a, a construction company here in, here in Denver where we're based, but we, we work nationally. And, you know, he had, like I was kind of touching on before, he had substance use disorder. Um, he had not filed a tax return since 1997. <laughs> oh, no. Right? So, so you think about a guy like that and you think, how can you help him, right? And, and there's no way, right? This guy was convinced there was no way he was ever going to have a bank account. He was ever going to be in any kind of normal system of, of you know, transaction, of working with people. And his goal for himself was to get his own construction company, to have his own company. And he didn't think he would ever like qualify for an LLC. He didn't want to put himself on the radar. The, the amount of fear that, that we see is, 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 is pretty mind boggling. And he comes in and he's like, you've never seen a case like mine. And we're like, Don, we haven't, but, but I think we can fix you, right? And, and when that amount of time's gone by, in, in this particular case, he had been clean for four years. Um, his impetus for getting better was the, this woman that he met. And she was also the one that prompted him to, 
um, to get his tax situation cleaned up, right? And and she came in with him, and she's like holding his hand throughout the whole meeting. W- within 60 days, we had this guy um, business operating account, payroll account. He had his own LLC. We put a binder together for him to set up his his company, uh, Don's Construction Company. Four and- years of filed tax returns. He had a track record. Now he was able to apply for a credit card. And he bought a truck, and the guy was in tears. Wow, yeah, big, that's unbelievable. Big, burly, I'm talking like six foot six, and a beard down to his chest, you know, breaking down. He's like, I never thought I'd be there. Um, and, and you can come back. You can come back. I think that's the brighter side message on our part, yeah. is we have seen some incredible stories. Even the story with the $25 million guy. I went and visited him in prison. You know, I was sitting there in prison with him working out a plan to get him back on track with the IRS and with, with the Department of Justice. And, and he's never been in a better place. Uh, the guy's never been happier. I've known him for years now. Um, so th- there is, there is a brighter side message. There is absolutely a way out of this stuff. Um, the minute you just have a competent team behind you, you know, quarterbacking yourself out of a bit of a jam. Yeah, it gets better, Eddie. That's my, that's my two cents. It always gets better. So there's always hope. It's not fear. There's always a way out. So, you know, just when you address it and you're ready to address it, because that's the thing. And sometimes it takes an awesome person in your life, a spouse, guy or girl, gender. And back to classism, it doesn't matter. I've seen rich people rolling in the office with million-dollar tax returns with $2 million in liability, you know? So these guys are driving around in their Jaguars and their, you know, with their fancy American Express. And they owe just as much as anybody. So it transcends any class, yeah. gender, age. It doesn't matter. This can happen to anybody. It could be your fault. It could not be your fault. Mm-hmm. It just, it gets better. You get through it. So it's not inconceivable to, you know, rationalize this, compartmentalize it, and then just head it off. That's all. Man, I will say as a personal testimonial, I was fucked. I I was I went six years without doing anything, and I went to Dave, uh, my best buddy in the world, from since I was six or, or since you were six and I was five, and I'm like, Dave, I ruined my life. I haven't done anything in, in six seven years, and they fixed me, and they they totally they they did not let me worry. They told they told me they like we will we will take care of this, and they did. And I'm a real person again. I've like I got I'm able I'm filing like a normal human being now. And they took care of me over there, and and it, it very more than reasonable. Uh, if you guys have any problems, you're lucky to deal with these guys over at Box Elder, uh, or and you find yourself a decent accountant. Find someone trustworthy because it is it, it will they will save your fucking life. It made me a whole person again, and I I can't thank you guys enough. Um, Box Elder Accounting. Uh, that is a b o x e l d e r consulting dot com. Uh, Tom Conrad, David Weishouse. Thank you so much for stopping by the brighter side. We love you guys. Uh, please keep doing what you're doing. You uh, mitzvahs all around. Uh, you're wonderful human beings. Thanks, Eddie. Don't love be you scared too, buddy. of your accountant. They're good people. Keep your friends close. And your accountants <laughs> don't, closer. Don't. Don't be scared. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Amber. Thank you guys so much for your time and having us on the show. Thank you, Amber. You know, I used to think living paycheck to paycheck with no credit was like pretty rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, you can't find me. And then I left this boyfriend I had and I was alone in a city with no credit and yeah. no money and I was homeless. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens. I, mean, I mean, I lived like a ghost. Yeah. For so long. I mean, we just we touched on it a little bit just now, but I I was driving my buddy's car with no brakes yeah. and like I was doing crazy shit. You couldn't find me if you tried. I wasn't on a lease. No, I wasn't. I was nothing. I no was no license. Getting, no, I would go to. I would get my paycheck and I take it to the grocery store and cash it because I didn't even have a bank account for years. I was the last one of my friends to get a phone. And you know what? I'm normal now. And yeah. It, I gotta say, it does feel good. It feels good. I was talking to one of my buddies not too long ago. I owed him a couple bucks. So we went out and like he bought me a beer and I wanted to pay him back. And I'm like, I'll Venmo you. And he's like, What's that? 
And I was like, Venmo, you know, like I'll send you money electronically. He's like, whoa, ho, ho, I'm off the grid. And I was like, well, you're not going to get your 10 bucks because <laughs> I don't have any cash on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cash is great, but a credit score. I mean, my, I've been building my credit score and I've raised it almost like 200 points. Damn. Yeah. It's impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I've been working really hard on it. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that if I wasn't given a second chance, I don't even know where the hell I would be. You know, it was, I'm very fortunate and very lucky to be put in the situation that I'm in right now. And I know it for a fact. Yeah. And I would, you know, from someone who got arrested, was on probation for a year. Um, you know, I, even in that situation, I feel like I was lucky and I could have gotten it worse because the other people I got arrested with, yeah, actually did some real time in jail. I, I talk about going to jail, but let's face it, I was only in there for fucking four days, you know, you know, they, which is nothing. Which, you know, it makes you depressed as hell when you're in there. But, you know, when you get out, you know, you realize that, you know, you didn't do anything. And uh, I'll, getting back, getting my life back in order is just like honestly just puts me at so much ease it is like stop the nightmares yeah it is you know it is really like i was really hiding and I've, I've even taken it one step further i finally got health insurance good for you yes you're doing it <coughs> yeah hell yeah i'm proud of myself i'm going to the doctor i'm checking myself out i'm gonna live god damn you're it you're gonna live you know and i'm gonna you know and then, and then i'm gonna take care of julie and then rambo's gonna live and we're all you're gonna live and you're gonna live and we all get a car yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i, I just it's i feel better you know about about the way I'm doing. It's that. less depression, you know, because when you're living hand to mouth, it's like one thing fucks up, and you're like, "Oh my god, my life is over." One of the things that they said that I really, really loved was it's carb. Uh, um, uh, gosh, I'm. You're so excited. Uh, uh, carb, carb, carpe diem. No carpet. Carp, carp, carpentalized, carpentalized, carp, com, compartmentalized, carpet. Compartmentalize. We're so stupid. I'm so stupid. My brain is dumb. But I can compartmentalize that. <laughs> <laughs> I can put some mustard on it and have yeah. a piece of sandwich. Ooh, and a pickle. No. <laughs> no, but what it is is like you take your debt and you put it in one place in your brain and know that it does not affect the rest of your life. Yeah. Because. I went through a lot of this with my mom because she, she had a lot of debt and I would help her out with her problems. And it, she would let it overwhelm her. And she was a diabetic and her emotions affected her blood sugar and it led to her getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm -hmm. Just all over money and worrying about money, worrying about bouncing checks and going to jail and all that shit. So I will say if you can take it and put it in one part of your brain and then deal with the rest of your life all the the truly important stuff family health all that shit God, yeah you can really be successful in life no matter what no matter how much debt you have no matter how much money you owe around town or how behind you are in all your bills you could chip away at it and it may take a year it may take 10 years but you can get on top of it you just gotta like just do the rules just do what you're supposed to do and you will get out of it. I promise. I did. I was so broke. I made a joke the other day because everyone's doing this 10 years before and after. Yeah. I was like, I don't even think I have enough money to take a photograph 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, you know, it is, you can change and you don't have to. And once you let the worrying take over, you're fucked. You're fucked. I tell you what I, I'm doing. I'm getting my teeth cleaned, and I'm going to find out what's wrong with them and then get a dental plan based on that. I used to get drunk off of plastic bottle whiskey. Yeah, yeah so there could be some issues in there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Be, you know, but hey, I mean, I, Lord knows what I'm going to find out at the doctor on the 31st. You're pregnant. God, that would explain some things. <laughs> but anyway... This has been The Brighter Side. Thank you so much for listening. A Cynic's Look at Optimism. Ahmed Larson. That's Amber Nelson. Our guest again were Dave Weishouse and Tom Conrad from Box Elder Consulting. That is B-O-X-E-L-D-E-R Consulting at dot com. Uh, check out their story. It's very interesting. We barely touched on it. They come from Second Chances. 
They are. Um, you've heard. Uh, you've heard Mr. Pastrami's story here on the show before. Uh, so please uh, give a listen. Listen to everything we got going on. Listen to all the great shows on this network. I I listened to uh, Movie Signs of Mads this week. Great show. You got to check it out. Uh, it, it, the, the, the story must be told. Page seven. Abe Lincoln's top hat. Last podcast on the left. I never heard of it. No idea. Uh, but please give a listen. We love you guys so much. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah. The Brighter Side Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Brighter Side LPN uh, Instagram. Check it out. Amber's crushing it on that. Showing us her, her life hitting the streets. Uh, anything else? You got any shows coming up? I got nothing. You got nothing? Yeah. I got dick all as well. Hey, and if you got some extra money and some free time, don't forget to donate to our buddy Science Science on his GoFundMe page. Uh, we've talked about it before on the show. And taking us out this week is Miss Sharon Jones with her song, Money. Also, check out the Sharon Jones documentary called Miss Sharon Jones. It's beautiful. Uh, it go. It, it shows uh, her uh, struggle uh, fighting cancer and uh, and beating it. And then, obviously, we know the sad real story of that is uh, she did end up passing away after the film finished. But uh, and you will cry the entire time watching it. I saw it on an airplane, and everybody was staring at the big sad man. Aww. But that doesn't matter. Miss Shara Jones, money, taking you out. I love you guys. Be good to yourselves. Be good to your friends and family. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, roll around in the grass sometime. It's delightful. Keep your dick in your pants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Drink some hot tea. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.